0: Hi, welcome to the Dear Mark Project Podcast. Thank you for listening. Our mission here at Dear Mark is to make social media a more honest and empowering place to be. On this podcast, we discuss a wide range of topics that tackle mental health and social media. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope you enjoy the show.
1: Justine, thank you so much for joining us today. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really honored. Absolutely. We're so excited to have you here. So please tell the audience a little bit about yourself and what you do. Sure. So my name is Justine Carino and I'm a licensed mental health counselor with a private practice in White Plains, New York, and I treat both individuals and families that are struggling with anxiety, depression, grief and relationship issues. I also provide um, anxiety coaching, both through an online course that I offer, one-to-one support, and group support for anxiety management.
0: Awesome. we're so excited to have you here today, and today we are going to be discussing mental health and especially how to develop a healthy self-care routine. Um, So let's get into it. So for the first question, why is creating a mental health slash
1: self-care routine so important? It's crucial, right? So with any of the clients that I work with, I always want to look at their lifestyle, because sometimes our lifestyles can really contribute to the level of mental health issues we're struggling with, whether it's depression, anxiety, relationship issues, we really need to look at ourselves from a big lens, right? So often when we're growing up, we're taught to do a lot of things that prevent something bad from happening, such as We brush our teeth twice a day to prevent cavities, right? We learn that we need to put gas in our car or have oil changes in our car to maintain the engine. We're never taught what to do to maintain our mental health. And it's unfortunate because we need to learn that. So what I like to teach my clients is the importance of prevention skills for mental health, right? What are the things that we need to do on a daily, weekly, or monthly basis to make sure that we are prioritizing our mental health. So we prevent a breakdown, a crisis, right? Where then we need a major intervention, right? That could look like a hospitalization for someone that's suicidal. That could look like rehab for someone that's struggling with alcohol or drugs, right? That could look like intensive family therapy for families that are struggling. So we wanna learn how to incorporate small things that we do consistently every day that make us feel calm grounded, at a good baseline, almost like an anchor, right? If we think of building a house, we want a strong foundation. If we don't have a strong foundation and a tornado comes, that house has fallen down, right? So same thing with our mental health. If we don't have a strong foundation of skills we're doing every single day and a crisis comes our way, a stressor comes, a trigger comes, we're more likely to kind of fall apart if we didn't have these things. So that's why I really encourage people to start creating a personal mental health routine that they really value and prioritize. Mm
0: -hmm. And I love that you brought up the words maintain, you know, because I feel like when a lot of people think about self-care routines, they're like, Oh, it's a luxury. It's not necessarily a necessity. And how you're talking about it is that it is necessary just for your function and for doing well and for growth. So yeah, I think that's absolutely fantastic. A hundred percent. And how does practicing
1: self-care positively impact our lives? Well, it helps us slow down and take care of ourselves, right? So then we have the capacity to handle stress, right? So we really need, and, and like you said, these aren't luxuries. Lots of the time on social media, we think of self-care and it's usually companies trying to advertise a product, like do this and you will feel great. Do that, and you'll feel amazing. We think of face masks and beauty products and luxurious baths. That's not really what I'm talking about in terms of mental health. These are like the nitty gritty things that you need to really set boundaries around so you can function really well. So I'll give you some examples. I work with a lot of anxious, stressed out, high performing people. They're usually burnt out. You know, their day is running from one thing to another. Their weekends are filled. Monday they have to pull themselves out, pull themselves out of bed. They're overcommitted, overworked, overscheduled. So, a self-care routine for them would be learning how to say no. That's it. Right? That's not something extra we're adding in. That's a skill that they're learning to prioritize. How do I say no? How do I pull back? How can I tell someone I can't commit to this for them either at work or outside of work, right? So, when we learn to set boundaries, then we feel a little bit more in control of our time, our space, and what's good for us. And then our lives feel a little bit better because of sticking to these boundaries.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that self care looks different for everyone. You know, just like you said, if you're a busy, really, really hardworking professional, that you know, self care is going to look different for you compared to you know someone else that's maybe like in high school or you know, college that has a little bit more time on their hands. So, how yeah.
1: do you determine? what self-care looks like for you on an individual basis. Yes, so there's an exercise I do with many of my clients and I get out a piece of paper. And I write on one column, I say, list everything that you do throughout your day or week that feels good, that helps you cope, right? And right on the other side, the same things, but they're kind of unhealthy, right? So we start to identify what are healthy ways of coping and what are unhealthy ways of coping. We all do both, right? The healthy ways of coping usually take more effort. They take more commitment and aren't as easily done. The unhealthy ways of coping feel really easy and instinctual, but they hurt us in the long run. So for example, someone with social anxiety, they might cope by avoiding social interaction, right? So they isolate all weekend, they stay in by themselves, you know, long term, though, that's not helping. So we first want to identify what are your healthy and unhealthy ways of coping with your mental health from the get go, then we want to start to look at the healthy list and plant them slowly into your life. Right, So we kind of take a look, what are all these healthy things you enjoy doing? It sounds like you enjoy socializing once a week with friends. You like to get some exercise or movement in. It's really important for you to have an hour of alone time before bed, right? Maybe for someone it's just waking up 10 minutes earlier. They have an extra 10 minutes to have peace and quiet in the house before everyone wakes up. So we, everyone has the ability to personalize this. So you really look at your healthy ways of coping. And then we start to determine, how frequently do you need these things? And we put them into categories, right? Do you need to exercise or move every single day? How can we make that work for you? Maybe for you, it's once a week, you just want to take a long walk or run, that's all you might need. So how can we make that happen once a week? Maybe it's once a month, this person likes to move by joining a workout class, or they go and run a race that they normally wouldn't do, they don't have the time to do it. So it's really unique, we look at what the person needs, and we try and prioritize it into their schedule every day, every week, and every month because we don't have time to do all our coping skills all of the time. It's impossible. We have other things to commit to. We don't want to overcomplicate it. So if I'm helping someone learn how to create a self-care routine, we do one at a time. So pick one thing from the healthy coping skills list. Do you need to do it every day, week, or month? And then let's start to habituate that. And once you feel like that's part of your routine, then we go to the next coping skill. Before you know it, a year later, you have a list of tools that you're prioritizing that make you feel really good.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I feel like when you are starting these routines, especially if it's something that you might not be totally conscious of, you know, before when you're starting to build these routines, you can do it really well for maybe like a week or two weeks. And then maybe like you start to slack off a little bit. So what are some like tips and strategies that you can help for making sure that the self-care routine is
1: long-term? Yes. So some research has recently discovered it takes longer than those two to three weeks that we used to think to form a habit. It really takes 66 to 365 days. So it's a huge commitment to create something that you want to make a habit. It takes a lot of dedication and determination. So first of all, give yourself grace. I think it's great if you have the motivation to start a new routine. If you fall backwards, that's normal. It could take you up to one year to make something a habit. So don't get too mad at yourself. We tend to fail or make a mistake and we give up. We're like, ugh, I can't do it. It's normal that you didn't make it a habit in a month. It's normal that you didn't make it a habit in two months, right? So don't give up. Say to yourself, it's okay, I tried this. I'm going to try it again tomorrow. or I'm going to try it again next week. Don't completely toss the new habit out the window. So that's one piece of advice. Two, there's something called habit stacking you want to take a look at your day as it is and see what you're already doing what is already habituated are you already brushing your teeth twice a day you could do that in your sleep then let's stack the new habit on top of that so let's imagine you're trying to get in the habit of journaling every morning maybe you put your journal with your pen next to your toothbrush And so every night before you go to bed, there's the toothbrush, the journal, and the pen. So when you wake up in the morning, you brush your teeth, and you see the journal, like, ah, yes, I wanted to start this habit today. So you stack the new habit on top of the old habit, and you keep going that way. And then once you habituate the journaling or whatever it is you chose, for some people it might be saying affirmations out loud, okay? I'm going to put a Post-it on my bathroom mirror that says, say your affirmations next to the toothbrush area. So, you know, every day when I brush my teeth, I want to practice my affirmations. Maybe it's not that easy. Maybe you want to start the routine of going for a walk after work, right? So after work, you probably have the same habit. Most of us come home, take off our work clothes, put on the comfy clothes, right? Maybe you already put out the, the sneakers and the exercise clothes. So when you come home, instead of changing into those comfy clothes, you put on those exercise clothes. So now you're stacking this new habit. Ah, when I come from home from work, I want to go take a half-hour walk to clear my mind. So that's the best way. Don't get too hard on yourself if you quote-unquote fail at first. It's going to take a long time to make it a habit. Give yourself grace. That's normal. And habit stack. Attach the new habit to old habits you already do.
0: hmm yeah, and that remind me remind me a lot of Atomic Habits. Um, it's a book that yes. I feel like everyone has read at this point about habit stacking and. He brought up the point about making it so easy to the point where you don't even need to think about doing these habits. So something that has also like really worked for me is scheduling everything. So I use my, my Google calendar to literally schedule, hey, I'm going to eat at this time. Hey, I'm going to take a little like meditation break or go for a walk or something and to make it so easy to the point where it's just mindless and you're just kind of going throughout these things. And at that point, you're you know a month into it and you have all these habits down. So I think that's so powerful
1: yes i could totally see how that works
0: and especially around social media i feel like there needs to be a self-care routine um, specifically designed for your social media use Um, so how can we develop a self-care routine around social media
1: we need our boundaries right and everyone's boundaries are going to look very different the same as everyone's coping mechanisms and self-care routine looks different Some people get really triggered by going on social media, right? Because all of a sudden, these comparisons start to flood in. Whether it's you're comparing yourself to your friends, comparing yourself to people you don't know. You know, Instagram just throws things at us now. We're not even looking for something. We can no longer scroll and just see what our friends are posting in our feed. We have these constant advertisements popping up. And then we get distracted. And now we're on someone else's page. So first of all, you want to recognize... Now, you're, this space isn't really yours anymore, right? There's things constantly being thrown at you on social media. So if you're finding that you're getting triggered, give yourself limits, right? Limit the amount of time you're spending. Maybe you realize, okay, a half hour at the end of the day feels good. I know 30 minutes won't trigger me. Let me do that. Other people, you know, the minute they wake up, they grab the phone. And then they're scrolling. And the first things they're thinking about everything they're seeing on social media. So then their mind is now focusing on these other people instead of themselves. So something like that, I would say, maybe before bed, you put your phone across the room, right? And maybe you use your Alexa for your alarm clock or you buy an old school alarm clock so you're not reaching for your phone and looking at social media the first time you wake up. So you really have to kind of pay attention to when are the most common times you're using social media and how is that impacting the rest of your mood, right? How does that happen for you? Also, you should do a monthly social media cleanse. Sometimes you are just starting to follow people that get into your world now, into your social world, that might really be triggering you. And so you might have to scroll through and say, you know what, I don't know why I'm following this person anymore. I don't benefit from it. They're not making me feel good. You don't owe anyone anything unfollow them, right? We have enough triggers that we're faced with day to day and we can't eliminate all of them, right? If you have a conflict with a coworker, you gotta deal with it, right? If you have a conflict with a family member, you gotta deal with it. But social media is a choice and you can choose whether or not you wanna have conflicts on social media. So you can learn to separate yourself from what you're following, what you're inputting into your brain. So much that we observe online, we download and internalize without even realizing it, it gets put into our subconscious and it impacts us. So we definitely want to limit the amount of time, who we're following, and really get clear with your goal of why you're there. Are you going on to shop? Are you going on to socialize? Are you going on to promote your business? What is the goal? I can tell you personally, I have my personal account and I have my business account. On my personal account, that's connect with friends and family members. I'll post more of my personal life on there. But on my business account, I want to share content around mental health, right? So I do a lot of sharing on there. but I don't do that much interacting. I'm not really scrolling and looking at other people, other businesses on my business account because I know my goal is to get the information to help other people. I'm not really in that space to be observing other people, if that makes sense.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's so powerful. And especially when you're talking about making the habit of social media harder, so when you said putting you know, your phone away across the room, so when we were talking about creating healthy habits, we're trying to make it easier for ourselves. When we're trying to break habits, we're trying to make it a lot more difficult for ourselves you know, to go back to that. So I think that's absolutely amazing. So this has been absolutely fantastic, Justine. Um, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. And please tell the viewers um, how they can find you.
1: Yes, well, thank you so much for having me. I love talking about this. I can be found at corinocounseling.com on there. It's my website, so you can see all the services I offer, but you can also find my podcast and my mental health blog there. I do have a podcast called Thoughts from the Couch, which you can find on, um, I'm losing my thought, okay, Apple, Spotify, and Amazon podcast. And I also have a course, um, if someone's not ready to start therapy, but they wanna learn some ways to create a self-care routine, it's called The Path to Peace. And you can find that course on my website.
0: Awesome. Well, we will have that all in the link in the description below. And again, thank you so much, Justine. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. To learn more about how to make social media a more honest, and empowering place to be, follow us on Instagram at the Dear Mark Project and visit our website, dearmark.co. Stay tuned every week for a new episode. Thanks again for tuning in.